Hello, and welcome back to the Women's Soccer Podcast. I am your host, Liam Greco, but you know me better as LGG. As the National Women's Soccer League is coming up quite soon, the Challenge Cup game is being played a month in advance from when I'm recording this, I thought it would be very nice to provide a master list of 24 players I'll be looking out for this season to perform in the world's best women's soccer league, National Women's Soccer League. As the season's approaching soon and the hype of the Run the League is getting so excited, the hype is also being reflected by our episodes, and I'm so excited to talk about the 12 top players in part two of this mini-series that I'll be looking out for this season. Without further ado, let's get right into it. First, I'll be starting off with O.L. Reign's star striker. She may not have the name recognition that other stars of that of that 2023 t- championship team that made it to the title game and lost, but Bethany Balser surely has the talents to compare herself to those franchise legends such as Kim Little, Megan Rapinoe, and Rose Lavelle. Balser is a true nine, someone that the U.S. Women's National is missing for a while. She's not the kind of player like Alex Morgan who loves to run off the ball and make runs um, and receive to foot. Balser is someone who really loves to play aerially, and she's a big threat in the air from all set pieces, but also she's just a great person to have on your side because she can finish a both seat on the ground as well. Balser is someone who constantly is running at the back line, and she always creates problems, and she also, on former all rain teams, has opened up space for her more prolific teammates like Rapino and Lavelle, but don't get me mistaken. Bethany Balser is one of the best strikers in the National Women's Soccer League, and her admission for the National Women's from the National Women's Team for the U.S. has been honestly concerning and confusing. Balser is someone who this U.S. team desperately needs. At the Women's World Cup, the lack of creativity and just simple ability to finish in the back of the net was evident. The U.S. team was boring, bland, and quite frankly, not good enough to compete at the world standard. If we're looking at club form, Balser had much better seasons than a lot of other U.S. forwards who got selected for that team. Players like Trittany Rodman, who were starters on that team, along with Alex Morgan, did not get the goals that Balser's getting. And it's completely frustrating to people use the arguments of club talent for the benefit of the star players, but for the players who are working week in and week out in the National Women's Soccer League, they clearly don't get those benefits. One thing that Balser has that no other forward on the U.S. Women's National Team has, and this is similar to me official, is that she draws so many defenders on her, which allows other players on her team to get opened up into space and get into attacking areas. She's great on the counter as she's someone who can carry... carry her side up the pitch and really do well in small link-up play with some of her smaller, faster midfielders. On her team last season, that was Roosevelt. Now this season with Jisoo Yun being signed to the side, as we'll talk about in a few more episodes in the future, potentially, Jisoo Yun is going to be that player who's going to be able to be creative in, in the link-up play, and it'll be essential that Balser has people up the pitch that she can combine with in order to get into goal-scoring positions, and for a player like Yun, Yen, it'll be amazing to have a player in Balser's qu- quality that can finish with the best finishing touch that some th- this league has to offer. Next, I want to look at the 11th player on our list, who is Crystal Dunn. Crystal Dunn is a multi-time National Women's Soccer League champion, most recently winning it in 2022 at the Portland Thorns. This offseason, after the, her former foreign side lost to her new team, Gotham FC, Dunn decided to utilize her free agency to take make the move out east to her home state. 
Crystal Dunn is a player who everyone loves to watching and is a national team favorite, but has constantly been pushed to the back line due to the needs of her teammates. Though that is completely disappointing, as it doesn't utilize her talents off the pitch having her play left back, it does show her versatility. And in a league where there's so many injuries and so many matches and fixture congestion was a big problem last season, it's important for players to have the um, and for, to have the ability to move up and round the pitch because it allows managers to have much more flexibility. Dunn is someone whose club form was quite not there last season to to a lot of reasons, but she's someone who the US Women's National Team could rely on. And she was one of the few players on that last season's team that was a real leader. And she's someone who, at the national team level, is great in build-up play out of the back, which was seen by her ability in the back line to really work um, in build-up play and combined with players like Coffee, as Coffee would drop back, someone who we'll definitely be talking about later on. But Dunn's ability also just to finish from when she gets into goal-scoring areas is what makes her so clutch as a player for both the club and international level. Therefore, I'm so excited to see her continuing sh- to shine with Gotham FC as her form, la- her form at club level and her five goals last season will definitely be welcome to a Gotham FC side with a great defense, but an offense that left a little bit to, to be desired. The next player that I want to talk about is someone who is the highest paid player in the league as a young marquee star until this offseason's moves, something that we'll definitely debrief in a separate episode. Of course, I'm talking about Trittany Rodman. No, she did not have the club form that we would have liked to see her have last year, and she definitely did not perform on the world stage like we would have expected. However, warranting those those ideas and looking back on the fact that she still played her heart out for her country and she did a really good job at creating space for club team, I think it's less of a matter of skill and more of a matter of time. Robin is at such a young age, she's been thrown into a U.S. national team where she hasn't actually had the chance to be implemented into. It's like throwing someone into the wildlife and not knowing how to live there, you know? It's a completely new environment and that's what Rodman endured at the Women's World Cup this summer. With only a few caps under her belt, only a few dozen caps actually. And a lot of unexperienced players, the U.S. team was unprepared. Though it may seem like a different topic, it's not. Because Rodman was one of the 14 unfortunate victims who in their first World Cup were had to deal with an unorganized side led by a coach with tactics that left a lot to be desired. Rodman's ability at getting 1v1 at defenders was shown though during the World Cup. And a lot of bright spots showing, implying and demonstrating the future that this young star has to have. Though she is a player who loves to get at defenders, she is so much more than just her pace and her ability. Her drip, her dribbling technique is impeccable, and finishing in front of the net is something that comes easily for a player like Trittany. Trittany is someone who loves to get in areas wide, but she also can cut inside on both feet and get a shot on net, which is something that really troubled any defender in the National Women's Soccer League last season. Trittany is going to have to face much higher competition this season as the influx of international talent to the National Women's Soccer League has been sublime, but in turn, that will also cause Trittany to go up against better defenders that have come to the league, like a lot of players that have gotten drafted in, like Savvy King, and so much more. 
the fact is, is as the NWSL becomes more competitive, it's a good thing because these players will have to become more competitive with that. And though Trittany has an incredible rookie season, which is not something to not be proud of, 2022 and 2023 have been a little bit disappointing. But knowing how bright this young star has shined and knowing the potential that's clearly within her as one of the most technical and pacey players in the women's game, I have no doubt that Trittany is going to be someone we're going to be talking about for years to come. As she is that star whose light will never stop shining. Next is a player who, though is not American, clearly is someone who we should be talking about because she is someone who has crushed it in the National Women's Soccer League after coming in to her first ever season. And I'm talking about Adriana of the Orlando Pride. Adriana is a player who can play either the nine or out wide and run the pride. She had to do a little bit of both. Adriana is someone who's good in link-up play. She's great in build-up. She can always beat defenders on the dribble. And though those may seem like vague descriptions, those are things that really define her game. Her technique and technicality are just something that really have shined in the National Women's Soccer League at such a young time and and amount of period that she spent in this league. The National Women's Soccer League is a very different league from a lot of leagues around the world. But for some reason... And this is not a coincidental, it's because of her incredible technique. She slotted right into an Orlando Pride side that was, quite frankly, not at its best in 2022 before she came after loose after the side lost Alex Morgan. Adriana is someone who honestly should have been an MVP candidate with the season that she had, and she was crushing it on all cylinders, but unfortunately her side's performance wasn't exactly up to standard for an MVP. But that set aside, Adriana did, did not get the time that she would want at club or international level as Brazil crashed out of the group stage of the World Cup, and that definitely tells me that she's going to be gunning for a National Women's Soccer League championship and for silverware with her Brazilian national team teammates, a lot of whom have joined her in Orlando this offseason, and try and get even better than the amazing season she had last year where she and Messiah Bright did incredible together and Adriana had 10 goal contributions. The next player on my list is Ashley Hatch, another player like Adriana who's had incredible scoring form but just simply has not gotten the star power and award recognition from the National Women's Soccer League level. Hatchie is someone who's so fun to watch as she is really great at everything. She's one of the textbook strikers that you should watch and learn about as a fan or as an aspiring striker because Ashley Hatch moves effortlessly on the pitch, but also she's just a perfect finisher. Every touch that she has is gold, you may even say. Hatch is someone who's great moving in the box, and she's someone that reminds me a lot of um, an Alex Morgan in a lot of ways because though she is good with using her head like Alex, she loves to receive passes with her back to goal or in an area where she can, you know, beat a defender. She's very confident doing that. And though she obviously would like tap in goals because no striker would never take to take um, a harder goal scoring opportunity than an easier one. Hatch is someone who's comfortable at creating something out of nothing. Not something you could say about many other strikers, right? Yeah, you're right about that. Hatch is someone who's so fun to watch solely because of the ability she has at just putting the ball in the back of the net, simply put, at least. She can do it in so many different ways, and she's someone who clearly is not just a role model on the field, but a role model off the field. So for the work that she has with DC scores, I had the chance to meet her after the Washington Spirits matched by 
Champions Golf Mepsi, and I can say she's one of the nicest players I've ever seen, and also, it was so fun getting to watch her crush it on the field. Hatchie is someone who definitely has crushed it in club level and should be very disappointed and feel robbed of that USA spot that she was stripped from by Alyssa Thompson. But you know, a player like Ashley Hatch is always going to come back and for greater things. And don't be surprised if you see her name returning to the U.S. roster as Emma Hayes joins into camp. Next player that we are talking about is a prime example of how club form can benefit your chances at being on the U.S. women's national team. Savannah DeMello, in her second season in the National Women's Soccer League, was on no one's radar to make the U.S. women's national team's World Cup squad, one of the hardest squads to make in women's football. However, DeMello's resilience brilliance and hard work really earned her the spot on the team. However, though she is quite bright in some areas, some of the areas statistically are lacking. If you compare her to the attacking midfielders and wingers in the top nine leagues in the world, she has some very impressive stats. For instance, her progressive passing is in the 93rd percentile as she completes almost six progressive passes per 90 minutes. However, the, that amount of passes that she records is in the 20th percentile, showing how though Jamela is good at getting into the bright areas of the field, her ability to convert on those chances is quite bad, and that's really shown. I also think that Jamelo, though, is incredible moving up the pitch as she is in the 65th percentile of goals scored. A lot of her goals come from penalty kicks, as that's in the 88th percentile. She scores a, pen, a penalty kick every 10 games, which is not, you know, she, that means she scores a lot of them, which is does signify that she does a lot, you know, more um, on penalties than she does in other areas. And that's where a lot of her biggest um, stats are. If you look at her shot on, on target percentage, she only makes six... She only makes 28.6% of her shots on target, which is really bad considering how many shots she takes a game, which she takes a lot of shots for Louisville. She's one of their highest shot takers, and she is one of the highest XGs on the team um, with XG percentage, which is expected goals. But her conversion rates are poor, which puts her in the 10 percentile for shots on target rates. Um, Demelo is someone who I really have loved watching, and I honestly was quite surprised when I looked at the statistics because it's really sad to see some of these stats that show how she's really just not in the top tier that you'd think. If you look at her take-ons and 1v1s and dribbles on the, on the ball, she's in the 1 percentile. She only wins less than 35% of them. This shows that DeMello, though as a player who performed quite well at the beginning of the season, had a little bit of a sophomore slump at the end of the year, which is something that we saw for other rookies, like Diane Ordonez, who we talked about last year. DeMello will be going into a racing label side where they will have lost immense attacking abilities and players that were quintessential in Louisville's wins that they had last season, especially the one against Portland. Ari, Ari Borges is someone who she'll have to rely on on the team, but she also lost a lot of big players like Tembi Katlana, Wang Shuang, Nadia Nadim, Amina Ekic, and so many more people. The list goes on and on. Alex Chidiak, Paige Monaghan, there's so many players that Louisville lost, and they brought in players that are young and inexperienced and untested at the highest levels of club women's football. This shows how DeMello is going to need to be on her A game this season if she wants Louisville to get to their first ever playoff spot, something that Coach Bevianas would love to do to make a good impression in her first season. Will DeMello be worth the hype and worth that contract you send you for 2026, or will she turn out to be a player who never regains the form she gets from one of her first few seasons and doesn't make the U.S. women's national team roster this summer for Paris? 
Well, I guess we'll have to watch this season to find out. Sam Coffey is one of the most well-rounded defensive midfielders in the National Women's Soccer League, and that is proven by not only her stats, but the way she plays in the pitch. As a link constant player who's amazing in build-up and link-up for the Thorns, Sam Coffey really is good at dropping back to receive from her Thorns teammates. As the centre-back last season, the pairing of Hubbley, Manguez, or whether it was Sauerbrunn who were slotting in there, those are players who didn't love to play with the ball as much. And though Manguez was good at passing it out, it was often Often the fact that Coffee would drop back to receive and perhaps play it to Klingenberg or Reyes or Kuika, who has now left the Florence, on the wings. And that was something that was really, really fun to watch her do because she was so good in the gap and she was so instrumental in orchestrating that Thorn side, which ultimately did lose. But even just watching Coffee, you can see she's a gem for this Thorns team that should not have been drafted as low as she was in the second round as a 12th pick. That sat still surprises me that people think there were 11 better players than Sam Coffee. Guess what? She was one of the best ones in that draft, and I am not, I'm not discounting that fact at all. I think it's ridiculous how low she is picked considering how good she is in the field and we know how good she is, right? Like if you even if you look at her statistics, she was projected based on her play and her XG for assists, so to speak, to have a 3.3 XG for assists. However, her assists XG was incredible. Her actual assist production was twice the XG as she had eight assists this season, showing how Coffee is so good at creating something out of, well, nothing. Coffee is so good at finding open spaces in the field and just tearing teams apart. With that little inch of space that they, that she gets, she's able to the other team and dominate them and absolutely destroy their offense and she's someone who though is not good at actually like finishing the ball in the back and then at herself she's one of the best players in the league and most well-rounded midfielders in regards to creation if you look at her productivity in regards to like in comparison to a bunch of other players in the top in the world in the last 365 days, which is something that I've used for other players in this episode, and it's a great research resource that I love using. You can clearly see how good coffee is in possession, not all, but not just in the buildup, also in the final pass, that final piece that was really instrumental in linking her up with the forwards that they have, like Morgan Weaver and... Sophia Smith and hopefully this season Janine Becky will get those minutes that she would love to get to use and with players like Hina Sugita and Crystal Dunn gone it's clear that all of Sam Coffey's biggest abilities are going to really be needed this season and she's someone who's so good at getting the ball up the field not only that though but in the 96th percentile for assists for midfielders she's someone who the um, is compared to Leah Valti by a lot of statistic programs and Julia Bianchi of the Chicago Red Stars. And that shows how good Sam Coffey is and how she hopefully, for her sake, on the U.S. Women's National Team, will get more minutes as Coffey's club production levels are much higher than... Naomi Gurnema is a very clean player on the pitch, as she rarely gets yellow cards or red cards, but is one of the most aggressive players you'll see out there. She's so fun to watch, an amazing player at building out of the back, who has very minimal flaws, if any. If you look at her yellow card stats, in the last 365 days, she has had zero yellow cards and zero red cards. Also, she's in the 95th percentile of fouls committed, which shows how she really is always constantly 
never committing fouls. Like she is really low rates at that, which is good because that means she always is getting the ball. And in addition, she recovers the ball more than eight times a game, which is in the 85th percentile. This proves my point about how Gurma is really good at being a super aggressive player, but she's also quite clean and she doesn't make costly errors that cause her team goals that they give up because of like a foul right outside the box she doesn't do that very often she's someone who's very good at staying clean and making the right challenge but also doing it in the right way which is something we love to see in center backs and that's something that's been lost I would say over time around the world in most center backs but Naomi Gurma is one of those more modern players who's great at building under the back which we'll talk about a little bit later but she's also someone who's so good defensively on those traditional 1v1 circumstances that aren't as circumstantial anymore more in they're more circumstantial now and they're not as frequent and as they were necessarily a lot of years ago as the center back position has developed to be more of a passing oriented style of play which has made the position much more interesting than the typical just tackles you get but I think it's really cool to see how good she's been on this core defense part of it but also how good she is um at just like getting out of tough areas like her touch her ability to carry like the ball up the the field her progressive carrying distance is in the 85th percentile of all center backs in the top 90 leagues in the top last in the last 365 days showing how Gurma can carry the ball up the pitch and get out of areas in the back line she rarely turns the ball over and she's incredible at carrying it and which is really good for the wave side who love playing the possession style football something that I'll be very excited to see they continued in their third season in the league and Gurma's third season in the league if you also look at some more attacking-oriented stats, she um, is very good in possession, which is something I talked about earlier. And not just in possession, even though she hasn't gotten any goals or assists last season, her shot creation actions and is in the 80, 80th percentile. She creates a one and a fifth chances per 90 minutes, and her live ball passing rates are in the 87th percentile for all center backs. She's in the 97th percentile of through balls played for all center backs, which shows how crucial she is, and she is able to play the through balls with also her fellow players in the back line and goalkeeper and Caitlin Sheridan can play. This is why the Wave were so successful last season and got them to the title. Of course, Alex Morgan's star name may be seen like the reason why the Wave were so good, but Naomi Gurma is one of those players who constantly does all the work and doesn't get the recognition necessarily that Morgan gets, but still is honored with multiple Defender of the Year awards, that which are so deserved because of how good she is. She doesn't make any mistakes, and at such a young age, that's something that's so important. She was one of the few bright spots of the U.S. team this year, as she was able to build out of the back of the World Cup without making any dumb mistakes. Her past pr- completion rates are in the 90th percentile for all center backs, as she completes almost 88% of her passes, that includes short and long passes, and that shows how even though she commits a lot of long balls and she commits to those opportunities and she plays a lot of those more riskier passes she still makes a lot of them and she's much has much higher rates of them in addition her short pass completion rates is over 95 percent which is in the 99th percentile for all the center backs in this category this proves Naomi Gurma is the perfect combination of the modern day center back, which is more of a possession oriented game, but also a player who's so good at doing the traditional defender stuff that is not as honored but and or beautiful, but is so important for teams to be successful in these times. 
according to the databases that I'm viewing right now, they compare to players like Malia Berkeley, Megan Reed, and Emily Menges, all popular center backs in the National Women's Soccer League for building out of the back. One player who I really see in comparison to her is Sarah Gordon. Though she's on this list, I think she's far too low in comparison to Gurma's game because Gurma, like Gordon, are both so quick and really good at getting out of tight spaces, but also have an amazing right foot and left foot that they can play beautiful long balls to help their attackers. Therefore, if the Wave want to continue to thrive this season, they will have to rely on their young talent like Jaden Shaw up top, but also some of their key defender players and Grandma's partnership with Dahl Kemper is going to be one that'll be really fun to watch for the in fourth place on this very long ranking list is Sophia Smith. Sophia is one of the young stars at the phenoms of the recent years for the U.S. Women's National Team. And though she didn't have the performances that I think a lot of fans would have liked to see, have seen it up, she still was very, very impressive. In fact, if you look at her numbers, it really shows you how good she was at club level, even when the performances weren't really there for the national team. At club level last season, in only 17 games, she had 16 goal contributions of 11 goals and 5 assists. Her XG for goals and assists, or an XG, shows how Smith is very clinical with the opportunities and scores actually more than you'd think. Her XG is 7.9 goals, and she is 11. This shows that Smith is able to convert on her chances and someone who does not miss easy chances like some of the other forwards that are in the National Women's Soccer League and just around the world, because Smith's XG is much lower than the, her actual goals, and that's the same for her XAG, which is amount of expected assists. For that, she is a 2.8 XAG, and as I mentioned before, she had five assists last season. This only goes to prove how Smith is incredibly clinical in front of that, and these don't just come from penalty goals. In fact, she is at the 89th percentile for non-penalty goals, for progressive carries and successful take-ons, and the 99th percentile for players around the world, and she's also in the 99th percentile for six for shot-creating actions. It shows how Smith is a very creative player who can create things herself, but can also use her teammates to be creative and help her team get some goals. In addition to this, Smith is someone who takes a lot of shots and gets a lot of assists. She's 99th percentile for all forwards and for shots and assists, showing how Smith is not afraid to take on shots but she also converts in a lot of them or even if she doesn't have her best game shooting wise she's still able to contribute to her team and get her teammates on the scoreboard through assists this season for Sophia I expect to see her lift her Portland Ford's team side up as she's not the young rookie anymore she's had a few years of experience under her belt after being drafted in the 2020 draft and she's someone who now is not the rookie she's the star of this foreign team if that wasn't established already last season it clearly is established now she's an incredible player who's so good on the ball, but also just in general getting up the field, which is a similar characteristic that is possessed by BFC's new biggest signing, Rachel Kudinaji. Um, I'm really excited to see how Sophia Smith's play translates and evolves this season as she develops into a newer, more different and improved, you may say, version of herself on the pitch. The third player that I'm most excited to see this season is Caroline. Caroline, though she suffered a heartbreaking ACL injury, which took her out of NWSL playoffs, probably which is what eventually crushed North Carolina's chances to progress in any rounds, she's still someone who had an amazing year last year. 
She's in the 99th percentile for take-ons attempted, and she's not just good at being aggressive and taking on those chances. She's also in the 98th percentile of having successful take-ons. She's so good in 1v1 areas, and she never really loses them. Because of her pace and ability to dribble around defenders, she also draws a lot of fouls, which helps her team get into goal-scoring areas. She carries the ball into final third almost three times a match, which is in the 98th percentile. And her her carries in the penalty area and progressive carries in general is in the 90th percentile for all forwards. If you look at Carolyn's stats, one thing that really shows out to me is even though she doesn't really play a lot of defense, she's a very attacking-minded player, her goal and creation rates aren't what make her so special. It's the pass before the pass, if I you may say, with 93 percentile of through balls, and she's just like really, really good. 90, her, She's in the 90 percentile for long pass completion for all forwards, showing how she's really good at making risky long passes that'll help her teammates get into the box and, you know, maybe score goals. She shoots a lot from free kicks and she's really good at getting just goals in general. That's the simplest way I can say it. She gets about a half a goal a game, which is really good statistically. And that shows out even in the most competitive leagues in the world, dynamic fire power players like Caroline can still thrive. And I'm so excited to see how Caroline comes into this new North Carolina Courage team, which just signed Philly Rao. And I can't wait to see more important, more, I guess more importantly on the offensive side of things, her new partnership that will hopefully be formed with her and Ashley Sanchez. Even though she may not be on the field on day one, Caroline's still going to be a fun player to watch this season. And the reigning MVP will most certainly try to get with that same ward again, even in second place, we have Gotham FC's new marquee signing, Rose Lavelle. You may wonder, well, now that I've said Rose Lavelle, you obviously have an idea of who's in first place, because let's be honest, it's pretty obvious that the top two players are going to the next, 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 blah, to this next season. Sorry for that um, word jumble in there. So Rose obviously only played four games last year with as she dealt with injuries like the whole season. So I didn't want to look at her stats from last season because I felt like those incomplete. If you look at 2022, I think that gives her a better representation of her game. Her passing completion is 94th percentile, showing how she's someone who doesn't make many mistakes. Also, even though she is an attacking midfielder per se, she's also like really, really good on defense in a lot of categories. In interceptions, she's in the 86th percentile, and for tackles, she's in the 89th percentile. Showing how Lavelle isn't just an offensive-oriented player, she's also pretty good at defense as well. She's someone who's just a player whose dribbling is immaculate. Um, she's just, like, really... She glides to the ball, and her passing completion is also amazing. Like, pass completion for long is in the 99th percentile, which shows she makes almost 73% of her long passes, showing how good she is. But I think the stat that I think every people every people who know women's soccer and watch women's soccer will be kind of, you know, looking to hear more about is her, like, her just taking on players and dribbling and getting up the field and like for take on for like her touches she gets a lot of touches she's in the 84th percentile for touches and live ball touches just touches in general and live ball touches she's someone who gets a lot of touches in the ball but I hope that with Gotham she does that a little more of that offensive work that she's done with the U.S. that she didn't really do with the rain um her attacking stats to be honest knowing Rosabelle were a little bit underwhelming 
for the season. I know that might trigger some people because LaBelle had a pretty good season in 2022. But at least her ball recovery was in the 96th percentile. And I'm just hoping for Gotham, like, she keeps this defensive side to her game. But I hope they let her be have a little bit more freedom offensively because I feel like it's just a little sad that she didn't get that freedom to do what she is best at. And that's dribble against defenders 1v1 and just be so good at that. And that's why she is one of the best players in the world when she's healthy because she can really get at players and be that person who is just so clinical and up top. And with Gotham's new building super team, it'll be super fun to see how Rose Lavelle does there. In first place, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious who this is going to be. This is someone who I think everyone would have thought would be in first place is Dabinia. I, I originally had Dabinia in first place just in general because she's Dabinia. But when you look at her stats, it shows you how ridiculously good she is. If you compare her to other midfielders, which is her position, she's in the 99th percentile for goals, goals and assists, non-penalties goals, penalties made, penalty kicks attempted. Um, she's in the 99th and 98th percentile. Expected goals. Um, she's progressive pack passes recorded goals uh she is just so good she like makes a lot of her penalty kicks her her like goals xg itself is so high she's just a perfect player she's in the 99 percent off for through balls completed and for taking on defenders and for sh- and also like just cre- creating chances with taking on defenders she's in the 99 percentile for successful take-ons and for taking on them she also carries the ball the field incredibly well 99 percentile for carrying into the penalty area not just progressive carries which she also is in the 99 percentile for i mean Dabinia is just like the perfect player i don't think you can really word it differently i think the current last season were just a really bad supporting cast for her and not talent wise i think they had so many good players in roster and they had the offseason that we i think a lot of people got that would say similar to what we proclaimed gotham's offseason to be which is a little bit worrying and it proves on the NWSL, you can't just have super powerful names. It has to be a super powerful team, right? And that's the thing in soccer is Dabinia is like the best player in this league by a mile, but her supporting cast has been quite weak. And I'm hoping that the current, with their new signings like Bia Zanarato and Demwa Jawinga, along with the development of players like Michelle Cooper and Alexis Mantra, who are two really big bright spots as rookies last season and what was an otherwise quite dark year for the current, will be able to expand. Unfortunately, I felt they handled the expansion draft really poorly. After having a really bad season, a draft pick in the NBCL is usually something you really look forward to, and they traded that away to Utah along with Kate Delfava and Alex Solera, two of the best starters. And if you look at the minutes distribution of who they lost in the expansion draft, I know I went on about this on a previous episode so fans that have listened to that are probably annoyed at me right now for saying the same thing but it just like they lost a lot this offseason but they also got a lot the current and I'm very interested to see what this new look Casey side is and obviously it should surround around Tabinia because she is the best player in the world and no sorry not in the world she's one of the best players in the world and she's the best player in the NFL I think I would say that's very fair to say and I think it's not just because she's so talented that I'm looking forward to her this season. I mean, this was, I said this earlier, I prefaced this in the episode. It's not the 24 best players. It's just the 24 players I'm looking forward to seeing the most. And with the current new look completely, like, revolved side, that the side that revolves around her, but also just, like, the new team, it'll be really fun to see how Dabinia performs. And I can't wait to see her continue to shine on the world's biggest stages at club and international level. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Women's Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Greco, and I hope that you enjoyed this series, and I hope that you're enjoying us interacting a few more on social media, which is at the Women's Soccer Podcast, if underscores in between each word. We recently just did stories about what episodes you want to see, what reels you want to see on our Instagram content, so if you have any suggestions, 
suggestions for any episodes, you can always just respond to the stories that we con- will continue to frequently post them for episode I like episode advice and some ideas that we have brewing here. But if you have input on the episodes, feel free to follow us over there and feel free to give us a five star review here on Apple Podcasts or wherever you got your podcasts, um, wherever you're listening to them. And yeah, just follow us there and make sure you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening to this series. We have plenty more preseason series. Ser- Preseason episodes, sorry, preseason episodes coming soon, along with other content for international football and potentially European club women's football as the Champions League continues to progress. I'm your host, Liam Greco, and I hope you had a wonderful week, and I hope you enjoy what will be hopefully a much more beautiful February week. Thanks for listening, and peace out from your host, LDG.